Good morning, and we're so thankful that you've chosen to be with us today. So glad you're here. We want you to know that you're always welcome to be with us here at the Midway Congregation. If you're looking for a home place to worship, we're looking for you. We want you to be a part of our work together with God. As we began our lesson this morning, you know this year what we're looking at is the greatest questions ever asked. We're looking at questions from the Word of God. And the question that we have this morning is simply this, will you go with this man? But let's build up, let's, let's look back and let's try to understand what happens before we get to the question itself. And we'll talk about that. But I want to ask you a question this morning as we begin our lesson. What would you do if your daughter came in late and, and she was wearing some brand new expensive jewelry and, and she was raving about a man that she had just met? Now, I tell you, I know what some parents would do. Some parents would start talking to their little girl or their, their grown-up girl, if you will, their teenage daughter or their early 20s daughter, and they would talk to her about how could she be so irresponsible for coming in late and talking about a man like the way she's talking about this man. And you know what? I know what some other parents would do. Some other parents, would they would start talking about, don't you know, honey, that there are sex traffickers out there and, and you need to be very, very careful because you just don't know who you're talking to. And I know what some fathers would do. They'd just go hunting. And I'm not talking about deer hunting. They'd just go out hunting the guy, you know. They would, they would be looking for him and trying to bring him home. But as we look at this passage, this is exactly what happened in one love story in the Bible. It's what we read from the Word of God. And we want to talk about that this morning. If you have your Bible, you may want to turn to the book of Genesis, chapter number 24. We're going to cover here at the beginning of our lesson several of the passages that are there. And so we'll look at it from Genesis chapter number 24. Let's pick up in verse number 22. Uh, Matt read this morning from Genesis chapter 24, but I want to pick up in verse 22. The Bible says, When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring. Now, we're going to talk more about that ring in a little bit. It wasn't just a gold ring like you'd put on your finger. It was a gold nose ring. And so when she goes home, she's wearing a nose ring. And so, you know, that may add a little bit to it. But he took a gold ring weighing a half shekel and two bracelets for her arms weighing ten gold shekels. Now, if we were to translate that into the prices today, we're talking about the nose ring costing some hundreds of dollars. And we're talking about the bracelets being worth thousands of dollars in gold, just in gold themselves. And so this man places these on this young girl. And verse 23 said, Please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? Man, think about that. He's out here. He's a stranger. She's just met him. And now he's wanting to come spend the night at their house. But that's what he, that's what he asked. Well, what does the young girl do? Verse 28 says... The young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. She's excited. She goes in late, and again, we'll talk about that more in just a little bit, but she goes in late, and, and she goes and she tells them her, her mother's household, the Bible says, about these things. Now, verse 29 tells us that she has a brother by the name of Laban. And what does, what does Laban do? Well, let's drop on down to verse number 30. As soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms and heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, thus the man spoke to me, he went to the man, and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring, and he said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord, why do you stand outside? For I prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man came to the house, 
and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels, and there was water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Uh, the brother goes out and says, Hey, come on to the house and spend the night. They gave, gave enough food for the camels to eat and, and made sure that they were taken care of. They gave enough water and, and they set food, you know, water to wash their nasty, dirty feet. And, and, and not only that, but they gave them some food to eat that night. They're, they're taking care of them, it seems. We go on and continue on, verse 33. Then food was set before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. And he said, speak on. The man who comes in, the man who has been outside, the man who has given Laban's sister his, uh, her, her nose ring and her bracelets, uh, he said, i got something I need to tell you. Uh, we need to have a discussion. We need to talk. Even before I eat, we need to talk about what's going on here. And so you can admire this man. We know who he was. He was the servant of Abraham. That was from our reading this morning. But, but we know that he says, I, I've got something I need to tell you. And so beginning in verse 34, he said, I'm Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master. He's become great. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants, female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old. And to him he has given all that he has. He's telling him the story of Abraham. As a matter of fact, when we look at Genesis 24, it's the longest chapter in the book of Genesis. But as we look at it, we see all of that going on. My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife from a son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house, to my clan, and take a wife for my son. Uh-oh, we're getting to the nitty-gritty here. He's telling them what's going on. Now they're beginning to wonder, oh, why have you given my daughter? And why have you given Bethuel is there as well? But why have you given her a ring, a nose ring? Why have you given her these expensive bracelets? And this man is telling the story. I've come to take a wife for my master's son. Continuing on, verse 39, he said, I said to my master, perhaps this woman, she won't go with me. Now Matt read some of that to us this morning, earlier in the chapter, but, but here is the servant of Abraham. He's repeating that as he's sitting at the table in the house of Bethuel and, and Laban. And he said, I said to him, what if she won't come with me? What if she won't go? And so he said, the Lord, uh, uh, he said to me, the Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel with you to prosper your way. And you shall take a wife from a son from my clan and from my father's house. Then you shall be free from my oath uh, when you come to my clan. And if they will not give her to you, you will be free from my oath. You, you, if, if we can't get this worked out with them, then everything's going to be okay. You will be free. And he said, I came today to the spring and said, he said, I'm praying. O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you're prospering the way that I go, behold, I'm standing by the spring of water. Let the virgin who comes out to draw water, to whom I shall say, please give me a little water from your jar to drink. Uh, and who will say to me, drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Now, I want you to think about what this prayer consists of. Here's the servant of Abraham who believes that God is with him, but he's praying to him, and he, and he says, I want a sign. And he's not asking for something miraculous. He, he doesn't need something necessarily spectacular. 
He just said, let the first woman who comes out, and when I say, give me a drink, she'll say, okay, you can have a drink, and I'll, I'll give you some water for your camels too. Just, just let it be that. Well, he said, I prayed that. Before I had finished speaking, my heart, before, behold, Rebecca came out with the water jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the spring and drew water, and I said to her, please let me drink. Now, let's stop right there before we read the rest of this. I want you to notice she went down to the water. Now that's going to be important in just a little bit. She went down to the spring. She had a jar on her shoulder. The jar probably was a water jar that uh, in those days averaged somewhere between three and five gallons of water. So uh, it likely would have been made out of clay or something of that nature. Been pretty heavy within itself, but carrying three to five gallons of water, water weighing a little over eight pounds per gallon, she would carry each time somewhere around 24 to, uh, to, to 40 pounds of water. But she goes down. Very likely the spring was down at the bottom of a, uh, of a dugout place, sort of like a well, but it was dug out. She would likely have gone downstairs, down to where the spring was, and then there would have been another dugout place for the water to collect. And so she, she had gone down, she had filled up a water jar, she's come back. And, and she quickly let down, as, when he asked for a drink, she quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will give your camels drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels drink also. Uh, then I asked her, Whose daughter are you? She said, I'm the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son. Remember Nahor, don't you? That's Abraham's brother. Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him, so I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her arms. Now, somebody says, well, now when I was reading that along with you out of the King James Version, uh, this man gave her an earring. And, and when we come here, it says he put the earring on her face. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I wear earrings on my ears, not on my face. English Standard says, put the nose ring on her nose. Put the nose ring on the same place that God breathed into her nostrils, his nostrils, back in the book of Genesis chapter 1, the breath of life. And so, yes, she was wearing a nose ring. It was a symbol back then, just as sometimes they are today. But back then it was a symbol of wealth. Today, sometimes it's a symbol of rebellion, but back then it was a symbol of someone who had money, who, who was wealthy. So I put the ring on her nose and uh, the bracelets on her arms. Verse 48, Then I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord. Bless the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me to the right way uh, uh, to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now then, let's get to the point. If you're going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me. And if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Now, I'm not going to eat supper until you tell me if you're going to let your daughter go back with me. If you're going to give your daughter in marriage to my master Abraham's son, please tell me that. Let me know. I don't know about y'all, but I said, if it had been me, I'd probably said, folks, i got to think about that for a little bit. Uh, I, I'm not sure I'd let my daughter go back with you. Uh, wouldn't you sort of be that way? Well, what does the next verse say? Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing has come from the Lord, and we cannot speak to you bad or good. 
Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go. And let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. Whoa, wait a minute. Think about that for a minute. We're sitting at supper. They've already made that decision. Let her go. Either they don't like Rebecca, or they understand who they're dealing with. The God of Abraham. Not just the God of Abraham, the God of the universe. Almighty God. Probably speaks to their belief system as well, that they too had come to embrace God. And so, if it's His will, then this will indeed be. Take her and go, for the Lord has spoken. Verse 52, when Abraham's servant heard their words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. The servant brought out jewelry of silver and gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave to her brother and to her mother costly ornaments. Now remember, I've already said that the nose ring and the bracelets, nose ring worth hundreds, the bracelets worth thousands, and now he's brought out much more. Clothes and everything. He is dressing her to match his master's wealth. And he gives them not only to, to her, but to also to her mother, to her family as well. Going on. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank, and they spent the night there. Then they rose in the morning and said, Send me away to my master. Just the next day, they're ready to go. They're, they need to go back. They've been on a long journey and they're ready to go back. Her brother and her mother said, let the young woman remain with us ten days. Let, let, let her stay here for just a little while. And, and after that you can go. She's just, just here for a week and a half. Just, uh, just let us say our goodbyes. But he said to them, don't delay me. Since the Lord has prospered my way, send me away that I may go on to my master. They said, well, just let us call the young woman and ask her. Now, they're using psychology here. You know what they think? They think when they call Rebecca in, they say, well, now, do you want to go or do you want to wait a while? Uh, when they ask her that question, she's going to say, well, let's wait. We'll, we'll spend the 10 days here. Well, that's not exactly what happened. So they call Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? There's our question. That's what we're talking about today. Will you go with this man? And you know what she said? No, let's wait 10 no. I will go. She's decisive, isn't she? She is ready to go. At the end of this lesson, I'm going to ask that question again. And you're going to need to answer that question yourself. So be watching for that question. Continuing on, drop on down to verse 65. Indeed, she did go. And now they've reached back to the master's place and... Uh, uh, she said to the servant, she looks up, she sees a man. Who's that man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, it's my master. So she took her veil, covered herself. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife. And he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Indeed, she said, I will go. They make the trip back. And... and it's almost as if things are moving so very fast that, that they make the trip and, 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 and things are done. Now, I want you to think about something. That trip that they made, 
If we just take the master's servant who goes looking for the wife, if we just think about him for a minute, he had made a long trip, and he's ready to get back, he's ready to take her back. But that trip would be sort of like us leaving walking, and we would go north, and we'd go through Huntsville and Nashville, and we'd just keep on walking. And we'd go on to Bowling Green and to Louisville, Kentucky, and then, then to, to, to Cincinnati, Ohio, and keep on walking almost to Dayton, Ohio. And we would have made the trip just about the same distance that this man made with her. If you're going south, you'd walk almost to Orlando, Florida. But somewhere between Gainesville and Orlando, uh, you'd have made just about the same mileage. And now they have just gone that direction, probably would have taken over a month. Now they've come back, and they're there, and the marriage takes place. Now, as we look at all of this, again, it's been fast, and you haven't filled out a single blank on your sheet this morning. And so you said, this is going to be a long sermon. Let's move fast. Let's think about why this woman, Rebecca, was such a good choice for wife. For wife for Isaac. Number one, she was attractive. If you go back to the book of Genesis chapter 24, verse 16, the Bible simply says the young woman not was attractive, she was very attractive in appearance. She was very attractive. You know, there's something to be said for that. Husband and wife should be attracted to each other. They need to be, but... As we think about the, the outward beauty, it's not just about that, is it? In the book of 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, Peter tells wives to not let their adorning be external, the braiding of the hair, the putting on of gold and jewelry, or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Yes, we need to take care of ourselves. We need to, uh, to be presentable. And, and certainly, this woman is described as being very attractive. But all of us know that if we base our marriage simply on that, that, marriage, that, that beauty can be gone in an instant. What about a severe car crash where a face is disfigured or something of that nature? She was attractive. That was an important thing. Number two. Not only was she attractive, she was pure. Genesis 24, verse 16 goes on to say that she was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known. She was a virgin. She had reserved sex for marriage. It was there that it was to be enjoyed. She knew that. And, and, and as we think about it, the best gift that any person could give their future mate is the gift of their virginity. And so she was pure. She was pure. Number three... Not only was she pure, but the Bible teaches us that she was gracious and hospitable. Gracious and hospitable. Look at verses 17 and 18 in the book of Genesis 24. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please give me a little water to drink from your jar. And she said, Drink, my Lord. Now watch this next phrase. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. She wasn't. She didn't do it begrudgingly. She quick. She was ready. She was. She was gracious and hospitable, ready to give this water. 
The man was a stranger, and yet she was willing to help him, even though he was a stranger. She was willing to help. If you go on to verses 24 and 25, she said to him, I'm the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom you, she bore to Nahor. And she added, We have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. Not only was she willing to give this man water from her jar, she's willing to give her this man um, food for his, for his livestock. Now, I don't know if we've told it or not yet. I think we read it as Matthew was reading it. When this servant left, he, was, uh, he left with ten camels. Ten camels. And so they had enough for these ten camels to eat. You know, when we think about being gracious and hospitable, I'm reminded of Matthew chapter 10, verse 42. In that passage, the Bible says, And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will in no mean, by no means lose his reward. When she was willing to give the water and some other things as well. So she was gracious and hospitable, but she was also a hard worker. A hard worker. How do you know that? Look at verses 19 and 20. When she had finished giving him a drink, she let down, quickly let down her, her uh, jar and gave him a drink. She said, I'll draw water for your camels also. And then I want you to, I want you to underline this in your mind. I'm going to give your camels water until they have finished drinking. I'm going to give them all they want. Until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well of water to draw water. And she drew for all his camels. Now I need to ask you something. When was the last time you watered a camel? Anybody? Anybody watered a camel lately? Does anybody here know how much water a camel drinks. A thirsty camel can drink between 30 and 50 gallons of water. I just told you how many camels he had and she watered all of them. Ten of them. And I just told you to underline in your mind that she gave them all that they would drink until they were finished. And so we're likely talking 300 to 500 gallons of water. Now where did she get the water? Well, she turned the hose on. Filled up the trough. No, she poured out her water jar consisting of, I told you a little while ago, probably three to five gallons of water. And then she ran back and filled it up again. Do you know how many times that woman ran up and down those stairs to get down to that water and brought that water back to the trough? Do you know how many times that must have been that she did that over and over again with 10 of Abraham's camels, 300 to 500 gallons of water? Man, a hundred or so trips. Perhaps even 150 trips back and forth to get enough water to water those camels. Up and down those steps. 24 to 40 pounds she was carrying perhaps every time 
to get those camels watered. Need I say any more about this one? She was a hard worker. She had a servant's heart, didn't she? She was willing to work for others. But even more than that, one more, she was modest. She was modest. What happened when she came and met her master? She saw him coming. She took her veil and covered herself. Boy, how many need in our day to learn the modesty of Rebecca? To think about covering themselves. Sometimes they need to cover the, need more than a veil to cover the things that they have that need to be covered. And in reality, we need to learn modesty. That's one thing that made her a good choice. She was a modest woman. Well, what about him? What about Isaac? What made him a good candidate? Let me just simply suggest to you some things about him. He was a responsible man. Look at Genesis 24, verse 36. The Bible says that Abraham had given him to him all that he has. He gave to, to Isaac all that he had. He was willing to have that because it seems that Isaac was capable of taking care of it. In the book of Luke chapter 16 at verse 10, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. Abraham knew that his son was trustworthy. Not only that, number two, he was a content man. A content man. How old was Isaac when Abraham sent for him a wife? Well, if you go back to the book of Genesis 25 at verse 20, Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, to be his wife. He was willing to wait until the right wife was brought to him by the Lord. He was content to do that. Many are consumed with finding that special someone and, and they'll do foolish things. In order to find that special someone, Isaac was content to wait. In the book of Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, Paul says that's a good trait. He said, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Oh, how we need to learn that today. Not only that, but he was a man who loved. He was the one who loved. Genesis 24:67, the Bible says he loved her. Did you know that this is the very first time in Scripture that a man is said to love his wife? The very first time. Isaac loved her. Isn't that what we as husbands are commanded to do? Ephesians 5, verse 33 However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And then Paul goes on and says, and see that, let the wife see that she respects her husband. He was one who loved. But then again, let me just simply say this before we close. Let me say that one should not say, I will go, unless. Unless what? See, Rebecca said, I'll go. But there are some qualifications we need to make before we would say, I will go. Don't say, I'll go, unless you really wish to go. See, marriage is not something that is to be entered into lightly or reluctantly. One must be certain that this is the person, the person for me. 
Rebecca didn't need ten days to think about it. She was willing to make the commitment. She was willing to make that commitment at that point because she believed in the Lord. Marriage is something to be enjoyed, not just to be endured. And so she really wished to go. But not only that, don't say that I'll go unless you are determined to fulfill the role as a spouse, your role as a spouse. Genesis 2 verse 18, God said it's not good that man should be alone. I'll make a helper fit for him. Are you willing to to be that helper, wives? Young ladies, are you willing to be the helper fit for him? Husbands are to be the head of the household, according to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 5 at verse 8, and he is to fulfill that role. And if he doesn't, he's worse than an unbeliever. And so, husbands, are you willing to step up to be the leader in your house, to be the one who is responsible and capable of being the leader? And wives, are you willing to follow after him? And so we have to ask ourselves, am I willing to be the spouse? Am I willing to fulfill my role as a spouse? If you're not willing to fulfill your role as a spouse, if you're still stuck on you, if everything revolves around you and it's about you, then you're not ready to say, I'll go. Again, as we close, I want you to think about something. Have you ever thought about the faith of Rebecca? The faith of Rebecca. Abraham was directed by God to move his family away from from, or to his wife and himself away from the rest of his family. He was directed by God to do that. And we talk about the faith of Abraham. He was willing to go when God told him to go. And we call Abraham the father of the faithful for this and for other reasons. But because she believed God was directing these events, she too was willing to go to follow after Abraham's servant, to go to a place where she would likely be and never see her family again. Hundreds of miles away. She was a woman of faith as well. You know what? Let me just simply make this observation. Without God in your family, your marriage will never be what it could be. It'll never be. He doesn't just need to be a a fixture on a picture or or somebody we think about on the first day of the week which we are to think about him on the first day of the week but he is to be in our house he is to be in our life every minute of every day I told you I was going to ask you another question The Bible describes the Lord, Jesus, as the bridegroom. And those who are his church as his bride. And the Lord is inviting you to be a part of his church so that, again, you would be a part of his bride. You have to make the choice yourself, just like... Rebecca made it so long ago. No one can make it for you. 
But I'm asking you today, like Rebecca was asked so long ago, will you go with this man? Will you go with this man, Jesus, in your life? We haven't talked much about Jesus today. I guess that's the first time I've mentioned him. But would you go with him in your life? Many have made the declared that, yes, I want to become a Christian, and many of you have been baptized for the remission of sins. There may be one here today who needs to be joined with Christ through the watery grave of baptism. And you have to answer that question just like Rebecca answered it so long ago. Will you go with him? Will your answer be, yes, I'll go? Please don't be like Laban and Rebecca's mother. Let me think about it. If you know what to do, then you need to do it. And you need to do it now. It may be this morning that in the past you've become a Christian. You've gone with that man, but maybe you've sort of been unfaithful to him. You need to come back to him. If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation today, why don't you do it right now? As together we stand as we